0: الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمه الله عدل في علم لا صراطه وسلاما دائمين بجوامع ومن وعلا. And اللَّهُ الَّذِي لَا Allah, إِلَّا اللَّهُ God, لَا Allah, not واحد ورب of God, is a God, and God, وَحَبِيبَنَا God, and every Сам wore, and I pray that we are Allah民 andwes, Muhammad, and إِنِّي مُسِيكُمْ وَنَفْسِي إِيَّايَةً بِتَقْوَى اللَّهِ The Qur'an, al karim the generous and noble Qur'an, the eternal speech of our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is an invitation from our Lord to His creation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In all of the themes of the Qur'an, All of the underlying meanings of the Qur'an ultimately Point to the way that a believer should be With his or her Lord The purpose of the Qur'an Is so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation Can come to know him We learn all of the meanings of ibudiyah Of servitude in Allah's book subhanahu wa ta'ala And every verse Rather every word Rather every letter Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. If a servant of his subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recites it with presence of heart. Will lead to closest to him subhanahu wa (coughs) ta'ala. And from the blessing of Allah ta'ala. Even without understanding. Yes that we should strive. To learn how to recite the Quran. Correctly outwardly. Just as we should strive to. Come to learn its meanings. But ultimately it's. Meanings are inexhaustible. No matter how much we learn about the meanings of the Qur'an, they're like the incessant waves of an ocean. They will continue to give more and more and more and more meaning. And everyone will receive meaning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book according to the level of their knowledge and the purity of their heart. So there are degrees, of course. And as our Lord says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Only the purified will access it. The outward meaning of this is: it is impermissible to hold a copy of the Mushaf if someone is not in a state of ritual purity. You have to have Wudu. And the inward meaning of this is: if your heart is not purified, (coughs) it is still if it is still plagued with disease you will not have access to its meanings. Only the purified will truly be able to touch it, touch it outwardly and to touch it inwardly in relation to its meaning. And one of the greatest gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we have the entire Qur'an, but also we found find that our Prophet Wasallam. Pointed to specific chapters of the Quran and specific verses of the Quran so that you and I can have a special benefit from focusing on that particular chapter or that particular verse. <coughs> and the verse that we are going to focus on today is a verse that is of the utmost importance because our Prophet himself وسلم, said about this verse that it was the A'dhamu Ayah, it was the greatest verse. The quran And this is none other Than the verse that you and I all know It's one of the most oft Memorized verses Ayat al-Kursi And so we as believers should have A relationship with Ayat al-Kursi A relationship in terms of Understanding its meaning A relationship in terms of Understanding its importance And a relationship in terms of Making sure that we bring Ayat al-Kursi into our life by reciting it regularly, reciting it multiple times a day. And so if we haven't yet memorized Ayatul kursi we should do so today. This is one of the first verses of the Qur'an that we should teach our children. After, of course, the Fatiha and the short surahs, we should teach this verse to our children. And we should encourage them to recite it. At various times of the day. So let's first look at a basic explanation of its meanings. And the verse begins, and this is of course in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 255. Allah, there is no God except Him. The ever-living, the all-sustaining. Neither drowsiness nor sleep overtakes him. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth. Who could possibly intercede with him without his permission? He knows what is before them and what is behind them. ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه الا بما شاء And but they do not comprehend any of his knowledge except that which he wills. وسع كرسيه السماوات والارض His kursi encompasses the heavens and the earth. ولا حفظهما And the preservation of both does not tire him. Ali al For He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the Most High, the Great. This verse begins with Allah, which is not only the best word in the Arabic language, it is the best word in any language. Because this is the proper noun that refers to the name of our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The name that indicates His essence and points to all of the other attributes that we affirm for our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he is the one who is worshipped with right and he is the necessarily existent subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illahu. There is no God except him, indicating his oneness. La ta'khudhu sinatun wa la We recognize is that he subhanahu wa ta'ala has life. He is everlasting, tabaraka wa ta'ala. And he is the self-subsistent. He is the one that exists in and of himself and he is the one who gives existence to everyone else, tabaraka wa ta'ala. And then we negate from him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, traits that relate to creation. tanzih, is that we uphold his transcendence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that la ta'khudhu sinatun la nawm. Neither drowsiness nor sleep overtakes Him. And then that we affirm is that His dominion, tabaraka wa ta'ala, and that everything in the heavens and everything in the earth belongs to Him. And then we speak of His greatness because we realize is that no one can intercede without His permission, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we affirm His omniscience, tabaraka wa ta'ala, the fact that He knows everything. He knows what is before them and what is behind them. And we only know what He allows us to know. What did the angels say? Subhanaka, la ilma lana illa Transcendent are you. We have no knowledge except that which you have taught us. And then we learn about the vastness of the heavens and the earth. And how that relates to His kursi. And how the Kursi relates to the Samawati Of the the heavens and the earth And then how the Kursi relates to the Arsh Allah tells us His Kursi encompasses the heavens and the earth And again negating traits that are similar to creation The preservation of both does not tire Him We think in our own lives That if you have a lot of responsibilities How tired you get from your responsibilities Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not get tired He never gets tired out And he is upholding the heavens and the earth And he is Ali al-Azim Subhanahu wa ta'ala And when we speak about his knowledge Knowing what is before them And knowing what is behind them This has a number of different meanings That he subhanahu wa ta'ala Knows the past and he knows the future And in terms of us There might be certain things of the past that we know But he has comprehensive knowledge of the past just as he has comprehensive knowledge of the future. He knows universals and he knows particulars, tabarakah wa ta'ala. Or another meaning, he knows that what is before them here in this world, and he knows what is behind them, i.e. in relation to what the world to come, the afterlife. Or in another interpretation, he knows specifically, just as he knows everything, he knows specifically what it is that we do. The good we do and the wrong that we do, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, just to highlight the importance of this part of the verse, his kursi, which you could translate as the divine footstool. Obviously, in no anthropomorphic way. It encompasses the heavens and the earth. And we have a hadith of our Prophet Wasallam in the collection of Ibn Habban. Where he says is that The Prophet said وسلم, What are the seven heavens What are the seven earths? In relation to the divine Footstool other than Like a ring Thrown in the wilderness Or you could say in a vast desert and then the Prophet went on to say, and the superiority of the throne over the divine footstool is like the superiority of that vast wilderness, that vast desert over that small little ring that was thrown in it. What does this mean? This teaches us a little bit about How you and I should glorify our Lord. One of the ways that we can come to determine His greatness is by seeing the magnitude of creation and reflecting deeply upon it. And this is very important that we get this right. Everything that Allah Ta'ala has created in this world that can be observed, the observable cosmos, anything that you can even know exists, Through mathematics Anything in the micro world In the macro world Anything that could be seen Through a microscope or a telescope All of that Is within the Sama'at Dunya All of that is within the terrestrial heaven None of that has even reached The first heaven All of that Is in the Sama'at Dunya The terrestrial heaven these incredible intergalactic distances, these amazing things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. All of the different galaxies in our known universe. Incredible creations, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he brought into existence. All of that is still within the Sama'at Dunya. And then you haven't even you haven't even gotten yet to the first heaven, let alone the second heaven, let alone the third heaven let alone the fourth heaven, let alone the fifth heaven, let alone the sixth or seventh heaven. And then, just think about planet Earth. Even though it's spinning very quickly, it's so large that it appears to be flat, even though that we know that it's round. You don't feel how fast it's spinning because of its, the magnitude of its size. It is rotating on its axis just as it is orbiting the sun extremely fast, but you don't feel it because of its vastness. So, what about then the rest of Allah Ta'ala's creation? And all of that is encompassed by his kursi, Tabarak, his divine footstool. And then everything that was mentioned in relation to the throne is like a ring in a vast desert, i.e., the throne is exponentially greater then the summation of the terrestrial heaven, the seven heavens, and the kursi, unimaginable. Other than what this leads us to say is, subhanallah, allahu akbar, Allah's greatest, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is pointing to this meaning so that you and I can know and be very clear about where it is that we receive our knowledge. We receive our knowledge from the one sallallahu that went beyond the seven heavens and into the divine presence of Allah ta'ala. We receive our knowledge from a true source. Everything that our Prophet sallallahu alaihi told us is the epitome of wisdom. Everything that he told us is haq, is true sallallahu alayhi wa Everything that the Prophet informed us of will happen What remains is that you and I Learn these teachings of the Rasul And we embody them and put them into practice And one of the blessings is Because of the blessing of our Prophet The person that it has the smallest amount of intellect Has equal access to these teachings To the one that has the greatest amount of intellect the person that is in the most remote of all places, if he's connected to the Prophet has equal access to their realities than the person who lives in the height of civilization. And I've witnessed this with my own eyes. Of Allah, people that live in the middle of a desert. And you would wonder how knowledge even reached these people. It's so remote, it's a several hour drive from the nearest road. In cars didn't even come there until recently. You had to walk or to ride on some type of animal to get there. But people that know the sunnah of our Prophet people that live in a way that the modern world which demeans them is in dire need of what they have. These ancient prophetic principles that have been renewed on the hands of our Prophet and with the last revelation sent to humankind. They're still there for us to receive. And the irony is, in this day and age, oftentimes these are the places where this knowledge is still preserved. And even though people look down on these types of people, that were you to experience their beauty, you would realize humanity and the humanitarian qualities that they have are preserved in them in a way that you simply don't find in modern society. They don't need policemen. They don't need a lot of the institutions that we need. And that we rely upon. Because of how human they are. How they take care of one another. They actually talk to each other. And enjoy socializing. And on and on and on and on. And and much much more could be said there. But from the bounty of Allah. You and I have access to these teachings. And Part of the reason that our Prophet ﷺ indicated to us that ayatin fil Ayatul kursi The greatest verse in the Qur'an is Ayatul kursi Is so you and I can learn something about the essence of the Qur'anic message In a very succinct way and then bring it into our life And it is for this reason that Hujjit al-Islam, Imam Ghazali In his book, Jawahir al-Qur'an, The Jewels of the Qur'an he speaks of ayatul kursi. And he explains why this is the greatest verse in the Qur'an. And he says all of this gets back to a knowledge of the Ulum al Qur'an. The various sciences of the Qur'an. The knowledge that exists in the Qur'an. And all of its different divisions. Ultimately all of those different divisions get back to Allah. And point to His essence. His attributes and His acts to wa ta'ala. This is real knowledge. A knowledge of the essence of Allah. His attributes and His acts in creation subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the other meanings of the Quran ultimately point back to those essential meanings. And he says that you find this is what is mentioned in Ayatul Kursi. It's all about this. The essence of Allah and His attributes and His acts to wa ta'ala. And it is for this reason, it is the greatest verse in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's book. So, that if we look in a slight bit more detail in terms of what that means, is that when you begin this verse by saying Allah, this indicates His that He's موجود. He is existent, Subhanahu wa Taala. لا إله إلا As we mentioned, His oneness, al Now we're pointing to one of His attributes. Al Qayyum, the one who is self subsistent, and of course, if he's self subsistent, Tabaraka Ta'ala, is that he will be the one that is positioned to give other people existence, Tabaraka Ta'ala, and so he can subsist them. And then declaring his incomparability, he does not, he, drowsiness nor sleep afflict him, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And he is the medical muluk. He is the king of all kings. Everything that's in the samawat wal in the heavens and the earth, lahu, it is his dominion. He is the one that is in control. He is the one who brought it into existence through his power. And he is the one, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that sustains it and manages it and truly decides what's going to happen in it to Barak wa ta'ala. And of course, He's given the human being freedom of choice. But the amazing thing is, of everything in Allah Ta'ala's creation, the only created thing that can potentially oppose the divine will is the human being. The only thing that Allah Ta'ala created that could potentially oppose him is the nafs. Your own ego, your own lower self, you, when you're in your unrefined state. And in reality... Nothing can oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He just lets us do it because He's given us freedom of choice. And there are severe consequences for doing so, of course. But if you think about that, that's amazing. Everything else is in submission according to the divine law. Call it science if you will. Call it the laws of the universe if you will. Speak of it as that electromagnetic force. Speak of it as gravity. Speak of it... In whatever way you will. The sunan of Allah Ta'ala in creation, the way He normally deals with His creation, is as it is because He decreed so. And that's just in the observable universe. How do things work in the malakut? How do they work in the first heaven, the second heaven? Allahu alam. What we need to know is what is before, so that we can come to a conclusion on what it is that we should believe and what it is that we should do to prepare ourselves to know that which it is that we do not know. In the book, it belongs to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then furthering these meanings, that he subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is so great. If you're not on good terms with Allah, no one else in existence matters. There's nothing that anyone can do for you ultimately in this world if you don't have a relationship with your Lord. This is what it's all about, is establishing a relationship with Allah. And if you have a relationship with Allah, Jalla جل it doesn't matter what any other person on earth thinks of you. The people that you think help you here in this world all the people that are means for you to rise up in this world, it doesn't have the same meaning when we speak about the ultimate return to our Lord. None of them will be able to help you. None of them will be able to intercede for you. This is ultimate about our relationship with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And His knowledge is comprehensive. He knows everything, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So understanding a little bit about this verse and how it points to his essence and his attributes and his actions in creation to Then the next step is for you and I to bring ayatul kursi into our own lives. And the amazing thing is in the sunnah of our Prophet wasallam, there are multiple times of the day that it is recommended for us to recite this special verse. Because of the meanings that were previously mentioned. And one of the first and one of the most important relates to prayer itself. It is a sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ based upon a hadith to recite ayatul kursi before prayer and after prayer. And it is for this reason when we pray the five daily prayers here, this is what we do. We do the tasbihat in the order of subhanallah, la ilaha Allahu Akbar, astaghfirullah. That uh, Subhanallah, Layla, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, Astaghfirullah. In that order, five, ten times each, which comes directly from a hadith of our Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and then recite Ayatul Kursi. And then after we pray, after some of the other prophetic invocations, we also recite Ayatul Kursi to put this hadith of our Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, into practice. And what did our Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever reads Ayatul Kursi, after every prayer And before every prayer The only thing that will prevent him from entering into paradise Is death So it's a sunnah to recite it just before you pray And it's a sunnah to recite it just after you pray And according to our Prophet wasallam, It will be a means for you to attain jannah and the only thing between you and entering the paradise is that you die from the blessing of reciting ayatul kursi. And then in one narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, and whoever says it just before they go to sleep at night, Allah will grant him protection and give him security Aladarihi at the level of his own household, the household of his neighbors, وَأَهْلَ دُوَيْرَاتْ hawlahu, and even the other homes that are around him. So one person reciting Ayatul Kursi will be a source of protection for all of those that are around you, even if they're non-Muslim. And this is why we can bring about universal good. And this is why we always go back to saying were people to realize the blessing of having people that say, La ilaha illallah, they would give us a stipend to live in these countries. Were they really to realize the blessing? If we follow the sunnah of our Prophet wasallam, it will help you and those that are living around you, your neighbors. And then another narration, you will be fi dhimmatillah. You will be under the protection of Allah until the next prayer. So, five prayers a day, twice, once before, once after each prayer, khalas, that's ten times a day already. And then, according to this hadith, before you go to sleep, so that makes it eleven. And then it's also a sunnah of our Prophet to recite it when you enter into your home. After saying the prophetic dua of entering into your home, Allah said, Khairul Mawlaj wa Makhraj. Bismillahi walajna wa Bismillahi Kharajna. You say the sunnah dua to enter into home and then you recite Ayatul Kursi. So that makes it twelve. And then that it's a sunnah to recite Ayatul Kursi any time that you have any type of fear, that you need protection. And that there's a man who came to the Prophet and asked him to teach him something that would benefit from him. And the Prophet told him to recite Ayatul Kursi because it will be a means for Allah to protect you and to protect your family and to protect your household and the other houses that are around you. So it's a means of protection. If you ever need, feel a need to be protected, recite Ayatul Kursi. It's a means of protection. And then one of the other times you can even recite ayatul kursi when you're cooking, when you're preparing food. And there is a hadith, even though in it is some weakness, where it's narrated that the Prophet ﷺ said, is that no one will recite ayatul kursi over any food or anything that is eaten with bread, except that Allah wa ta'ala will place blessing in that food and what is eaten with the bread. It would be a means of blessing. And so whoever is preparing the food, we should get in the habit of reciting ayatul kursi. When you start to prepare your food, when you are cooking. And there are multiple narrations, these are just some of the ways that we can bring ayatul kursi in our lives. And in addition to the protection and the whole meaning of protection, is so that you and I can focus on what it is that we should be focusing on, which is our relationship with Allah Jalla Jalala to be in a constant state of remembrance of him and recognize that he exists and recognize and believe in his oneness subhanahu wa ta'ala and affirm his attributes in a way that ultimately penetrates our heart and sets it right so that we can do outwardly what is pleasing to him and draw near to him with every breath that we take. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to do this. ولي جميع المسلمين فاستغفروا فيروفن وفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وصحابته ركّمين atabi'ina bi ihsani ila yawm al-din wa ya arhamar rahimin ashhadu la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan rasulullah ma ba ya ibadallah inni musikum Munafsi ya ya bitaqwallah we are in one of the ashhur al Horam, one of the sacred months one of the inviolable months And this is a time that we need to remind ourselves every week, as long as we're in this blessed month, to begin to prepare for the blessed month of Ramadan. Ramadan is very soon. and Ramadan is the seed al-shahr. shahur. It is the preeminent of all of the months. And the reason that we need to prepare ourselves now is so that once we get to Ramadan, everything is ready. We've done all the conditioning. We've done all of the preparatory work so that you and I can maximize our benefit from Ramadan. If you have to run some type of race and you just all of a sudden jump up and start running and you don't train at all, one, you might injure yourself, but you're definitely that going to prevent yourself from that actually running in a way that is where so you're going to that do so. Where you're going to prevent yourself From actually that running in a lesser time. Now we have to prepare for the blessed month of Ramadan to do the work now. So when the month enters, you and I are ready to worship our Lord Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. We've prepared ourselves and as the month enters, then we're able to focus on what it is that we should be focusing on. Because the blessings of Ramadan stem throughout the entire year. And it's the ultimate opportunity for us to establish a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to renew our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if we prepare for that then the blessed month will be sweet to us and it is something that we should look forward to these are the days that we should especially long for those days of Ramadan even though they're still in the hot days of the summer we need to get beyond that this feeling some of us when we think about Ramadan بالله, the hearts are like oh that means that oh, I have to work and I'm going to be hungry and I might have some headaches or whatever else. A'udhu billah. What kind of believers are we? If we were to know what's in Ramadan, we would want the entire year to be Ramadan. Our Prophet ﷺ. We should prepare from now and Don't let that thought even cross your heart. And if it does, it's a sign that your heart needs to be purified. Work on it. And ask Allah, Ya Rabb, I am displeased having that in my heart and I want my heart to be like the hearts of the righteous Where right around this time they have a special longing mm. for this blessed month and they prepare by making istighfar abundantly and seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may Allah Taala give us Tawfiq in Allah hmm. wa la <laughs> ikta ila salluna ala nabi ya amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallaita ala sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim fi alamin innaka Hamidun Majid اللهم صلي محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على سيدنا ابراهيم وعلى ال سيدنا ابراهيم في العالمين انك حاميد مجيد ورضيت على al سادات الخلفاء الراشدين ابي بكر وعلي وعلى جميع اهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من العرجاس وعلينا معهم في mu'minat يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات والاحياء منهم والاموات Allahumma barakna vi rajub sha'ban wa bellegna Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq in all of our different affairs. May our hearts be solely for Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah taala to bring our hearts alive with the meanings of Iman and faith, with the meanings of knowledge of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowledge of His Prophet, and knowledge of the sunnah of the Prophet and of this deen. Ya arham rahmi. May Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala protect us and to preserve us and bless us to be people who that have a special relationship with Ayatul al kursi and give us tawfiq to put this knowledge into practice and to live in a way that. Displeasing to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to die in a way that is pleasing to him. And may our last words when we exit this dunya be lahila Muhammad Allah,